Christ alone. You're the only place where our hope is found. And so, Lord Jesus, I just want to come before you right now, hopefully with your words, and speak clearly. that you would transform us and make us more like you. People of prayer, Lord. People who love your word. In your name, amen. Well, there's not a lot of people in here. Sometimes I've seen it actually smaller than this before. But um, there is a lot of comfort and uh excitement and joy that I actually have um, in just this message and what we see that God does with even one Christian who knows his word and prays and loves God. While I was preparing for this message, I was reading a book um, by Donald Whitney, Whitney called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And in that book, he had some quotes by a man named George Mueller. He's a man that's uh, known for loving the Word and being a man of prayer. And so I thought I recognized his name, but I didn't remember his story. I forget things a lot. So um, I wanted to learn more about him. So I went online to Wikipedia, (laughs) and I typed his name in, and I read what they had to say about him. And I want to share with you his story that just blew me away. Mueller was born in the kingdom of Prussia, which now is Germany, on September 27, 1805, and he lived for 92 years. He was an evangelist, a missionary, and he started five different orphanages. His first wife, and I say first, not because he divorced her and then moved on to another lady, but uh, she ended up passing away, but his first wife's name was Mary Groves, and this is significant not only because Mary Groves is wonderful, but because her um, brother's name was Anthony Norris Groves. Okay? That probably doesn't ring a bell to anyone. But this is huge because Anthony Groves launched the first Protestant mission to Arabic-speaking Muslims, and he settled in um, Baghdad. He later went on to southern India, and he spread the gospel throughout that whole region. So, I would think that Mary and George Mueller were probably pretty evenly yoked if that's the kind of family that she came from. Um, In 1830, when Mueller was only 25 years old, he became a pastor in Ebenezer Chapel in Sheldon, England. And shortly after he became a pastor there, he decided that he wasn't going to receive a regular salary because he was worried that people were actually giving in the offering out of... um, out of uh, duty and not desire. So he was a man that cared deeply. He cared more about where people's hearts were, more about the Word of God, and put all of his faith and trust in that more than the security of just the constant giving coming from the people. He knew that God was going to supply his needs. It wasn't going to be man. Two years later, he moved to Bristol 
and he became a pastor at the Bethsaida Chapel. And at this chapel, he founded the Scriptural Knowledge Institution for Home and Abroad. (laughs) The purpose of this institution was to aid Christian schools, missionaries, Sunday schools with various churches, and adult schools with Christian literature and teaching. And once again, he wanted to make sure that all this literature that he was sending out to all these different places was always rooted in the Word of God. By 1835, Mueller had begun five day schools. Two for boys and three for girls. And at one point, there was 1,722 kids in these orphanages. Mueller was a man of prayer and he looked to God to supply all of his needs. The day schools were run by 100% unsolicited donations. And he was so careful to be accountable for what God gave to him that he provided everyone with receipts for every penny that was donated. Supposedly, you can still go and see receipts and logs um, (laughs) from all of the money that he was given. By the end of Mueller's life, he had received the equivalent of today, 90 million pounds. Converted into the, to the U.S. dollar, this is today, this is what, what he would have gotten. $137,682,900. This money was used for the orphanages, the distribution of 285,407 Bibles, 1,459,506 New Testament Bibles, and another 244,351 other religious texts all rooted in the Bible in 20 different languages. And the money was used to support missionaries all over the world, the most famous being Hudson Taylor. At the age of 70, so anyone who is above 60 or whatever, listen listen to this, okay? (laughs) Talking to myself too, listen to this radical life of how God uses people. This could be us, you. At age 70, he became a missionary. And for the next 17 years, he traveled over 200,000 miles preaching the gospel. He spoke fluently English, German, and French. And in a lot of these countries, they didn't speak those languages, so he had a translator there in all of them. I'm going to read off for you a list of every single country that he visited. In many of these countries, he visited more than once. England, Scotland, Ireland, Switzerland, Germany, Holland, the United States. He went to the White House. France, Italy, Spain, Canada, Egypt, Palestine. Syria, Asia Minor, Turkey, Greece, Australia, Bohemia, Hungary, Russia, Poland, India, South Wales, Japan, I'm not done, Austria, Singapore, China, Straits of Malacca, and I don't even know if I said that right, Penang, Tasmania, New Zealand, and Colombo. This is in the 1800s. I, 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 it just, I'm just sitting there reading this story and I'm looking at They had to do a graph in Wikipedia so, that, so it shows you how it worked and, and then how, how he went from this place to that place and 
when he revisited it again, and I'm just look, looking at this. And it's amazing. And all of his travels were paid for with unsolicited gifts. Throughout Mueller's story, the reader is reminded over and over again that all expenses were always covered and paid. He did not have to um, go out and find him. He prayed and sought God, and God provided what he needed. He was a man of prayer. And in fact, his conversion came about by watching someone else praying. Um, Supposedly, when he was a kid, um, they described him as a liar, a thief, and a gambler. And his dad, his dad was involved in real estate and supposedly he even stole from his own father. But later on in life, he went to the Divinity University of Hale. And while he was there, he was invited to um, a prayer meeting. And this was a reoccurring prayer meeting that he went to every week. And so they talked about the Bible. Um, they did Bible studies every week at this. And then they also prayed together. And at one point, at one of these prayer meetings, he watched someone that was down on their hands and he's praying. And God used that moment to speak to him and say, you need me. And he dramatically gave his life over to Christ. And we already saw what some of the outcome was. There's a famous story about George Mueller, um, as if the other ones weren't famous, but there's a famous story about George Mueller where one morning in the orphanages there was no food. But Mueller, being a man of faith, had all the kids sit back down at the table, sit down at the table just as usual. And Mueller prayed. And he said, God, thank you for the food that you're going to provide. Complete confidence. And he's done praying. There's a knock at the door. The baker was there. He had enough bread for all the kids to eat. Right after the baker was done handing out all of the bread, a milk truck broke down right in front of the place, and all the kids had enough milk to drink. Mueller held um, to the reading of Scripture and prayer higher than anything else. He read about over a 1,000 kids, maybe 2,000 kids at one point. Mueller himself led them in Bible studying and prayer every day. I just read that story. Just a small caption. I'm a slow reader, so I look at summaries a lot. Footnotes are great in college. And I just was blown away. I just imagine. That's one person, one man. God would just take some of these seeds he's planting in us. And we look at the scripture. God just transformed Humboldt County. Just transform us. When I drove away from here to, to go to Bible school, because I, I just felt like I, I didn't know enough about the Bible, and I graduated from there and found out I really don't know anything about the Bible. <laughs> I just I had tears in my eyes because I, I love this area, you know? And it's going down the tubes in so many ways. There's, I mean, I, I don't want to go on any rabbit trails, but we need to be people of prayer. We need to know the Word of God so badly. The reason why Mueller was so victorious in spreading the gospel was because he continuously prayed in the Spirit. I want to read right now how he described um, his prayer life. 
Before this time, my practice had been at least for ten years previously as a, habitu- as a habitual thing to give myself to prayer after having dressed in the morning. Now I saw that the most important thing was to give myself to the reading of God's Word and to meditate on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and thus by means of the Word of God, whilst meditating on it, my heart might be brought to experimental communion with the Lord. I began, therefore, to meditate on the New Testament from the beginning, early in the morning, The first thing I did after having asked in a few words of the Lord's blessing upon His precious Word was to begin to meditate on the Word of God. Searching, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it. Not for the sake of the public ministry of the Word. Not for the sake of preaching on what I had meditated upon. But for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. The result I found to be almost invariably this, that after a few minutes, my soul has been led to confession or to thanksgiving or to intercession or to supplication so that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less to prayer. a natural outcome pouring yourself studying the word wrestling with it trying to see God in it and understand his message the natural outcome prayer he didn't invent a, a new way to pray by any means what his life is a representation of for us is living a spirit-filled life, um, living a spirit-filled prayer life, praying in the spirit. As we see in Ephesians chapter 6, we're told to pray at all times in the spirit. And like I said, I, I think God would do amazing things through us if we would follow his word. If you have your Bibles and you would like to read along, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Focusing here, starting in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance. 
making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul concludes his letter to the Ephesians by reminding us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against Satan. And therefore, we need to live a Spirit-filled life and pray in the Spirit or else we're going to lose the war. We're not going to be able to defeat sin in our own lives. and We're not going to be effective at all at proclaiming the Gospel. If we want to kill sin in our lives and have any impact in this world for Jesus, we need to continuously pray in the Spirit. When we look at this passage, we can equate the picture of the warrior as a Christian who is living a Spirit-filled life. As we talked about in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, uh, Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And it shows us what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. It looks like this warrior. You're putting on all of those different elements. But what the end of Ephesians has in chapter 6 that it emphasizes even more is the fact that we need to pray in the Spirit as well. Prayer is not a separate piece of armor here. Prayer is supposed to Help us to don the armor. Prayer is the stitching that holds the armor together. Prayer is what gives the the Word of God the effect that it needs to thrust the sword into the enemy. Prayer is utterly essential for victory over our enemy and over sin in our lives. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The verb and the noun for prayer in this verse, um, both mean to continue to do something with intense effort. I thought about Jesus when He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He is praying so intently that He began to sweat blood out of His pores. We're never supposed to be whimsical and just throw around prayer like it's some cheap thing. Prayer is supposed to be intense. It is supposed to be a weapon to fight the enemy. It is supposed to be used to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We're at war. We're at spiritual war against an enemy that we can't see. And we need God, who is a spiritual God, who is holy, that we can't see with our own eyes to fight this battle. We need to take seriously prayer. Or we're going to lose. When we pray, how do we know what to pray? Is it possible to pray incorrectly? I've spoken with uh, numerous people who say that they love the Lord and that they pray all the time, but I can't help but look at some of these people and think they don't know Jesus. Now, I know that that could sound really judgmental. But I ask you this. 
if I were to pray right now in front of you, God, would you give me a million dollars? Would you give me a big black truck? I want a black truck. Would you give me a big black truck and perfect health for the rest of my life? That's the end of my prayer. Would you think that I'm a Christian? Not if you don't know the Word of God. Only if you didn't know the Word of God would you think I was a Christian. You can tell a lot about your spiritual maturity by the prayers that are coming out of your mouth and my mouth. The whole reason why we try to preach the Word of God at this church every Sunday is because we believe that the Bible is the very Word of God written to us. We believe 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The way we know God is to know His Word. And His Word is the Bible. And when we know the Bible, we'll know who we are and what the will of the Lord is. And then, we'll know what to pray. As we read the Word of God, we meditate on it. And and our minds are being transformed by the Spirit inside of us, um, which causes us to don the armor of God. And our desires be transformed to God's desires. And the result is prayer, which is in accordance with God's will. And His will is that in everything, His message of salvation through Jesus would be made known. So when we pray, let's let our prayers be God's words. For only God's words have any value to us or any of the people around us. Let God be true, though every man a liar. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17. That's how we're made more holy. And when we're praying, let's pray thinking of the helmet of salvation that we don. We should have the goal of proclaiming the gospel at the forefront of our minds. When we pray at all times, we're praying thinking, salvation, salvation, save us, save us. Free us from sin. Save this person from sin. Salvation is always at the forefront of our minds when we pray. We pray all the time, God, give us safe travel. My foot hurts, would you, would you heal my foot? I had a hard day, would you, give me, would you give me rest? Which isn't bad in and of itself. Those aren't wrong things to pray for. We have a list, a prayer list, and updates that we get all the time of people asking for these requests. It's okay to pray for those things. But if you pray only to that end, I pray, God, that you would heal my leg. And it stops there. The prayer is incomplete. Prayer is a weapon to fight the enemy. It should never be used to ask the butler to bring us another pillow. Prayer malfunctions if that's how we pray. It doesn't work. That is not what it's designed for. But that's how we pray in the United States. That's why we need suffering. 
to show us that we're not dependent on this world, but that we're dependent on God. Our prayers are to proclaim Christ. So when we pray, yeah, pray, God, give me a wonderful vacation. Give me great, safe travel. Bring Levi and the rest of them back up from down south. We need them back up here. God, would you do these things in such a way that as I'm going on my vacation, I look first and foremost for ways and opportunities to spread your message. Would you give us a great vacation through that so that we can find opportunities to grow in you so that our mornings before I go to Disneyland with my kids, we have, we have an opportunity to read the Word teach our kids about it so that when we're out and about and we're in the line at Disneyland and people are grumbling because it's taking too long, we have you in us filled with your Holy Spirit and people see there's something different. Our prayers are incomplete if we don't connect them to the reason why we have them. We have prayer to further the kingdom, to proclaim his message boldly. And only then will we be able to enjoy our good night's rest. Only then are we going to be able to enjoy our healing. Because our joy is Christ. Not being free from the pain. Naomi and I uh, have a close friend who a while back was diagnosed with cancer. And she did, she prayed for healing. We prayed that she would be healed from cancer. But what was awesome about it is that first and foremost, her concern was that God would use her suffering for His glory. Her main prayer was, God, if you don't heal me, use me. If you heal me, use me. (laughs) When someone like that is suffering, they're so dangerous to Satan because their message is so powerful. They're the types of people that when they go into the hospital and they're admitted and they're lying there in the hospital bed are looking around for an opportunity. They're looking around and saying, God, I'm hurting right now. Give me strength. Give me strength right now. I want to look to you. I want to look to you. May my hope be found in you. And to the people around them that don't know Christ, it doesn't make sense. The people around them wonder, Who is their God that gives hope to the hopeless? Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. And he asked the Christians to to pray for him. Not that he would get more food while he's in prison. Not that he would be able to have a better night's sleep. I'm sure there was horrid things that were going on in a Roman prison. But he said, pray for me that I would be bold in preaching the gospel. That was his prayer out of everything. You know, I, I had a talk with uh, one of my supervisors a while back, and we were, I don't even remember exactly the, the focal point of the conversation. We're talking about God, we're talking about the Bible, and he says, yeah, I agree with you, but you don't want to be one of those Radical people. You don't want to be a Christian nut. A Jesus freak. 
thinking and I thought, I was, I was dumbfounded. I'm like, we agreed about all these other things. We agreed that we're sinners and we're going to go to hell if we don't know Christ. That's not supposed to radically transform our lives then if, if, if we know Him. I said, well, what about the disciples? And I said, they went off. Most of them were killed. Their faith. I said, yeah, but you, you don't want to be radical. You know, we, we need to be really careful about other people in the United States and, and what they think. We need, to, we need to respect them, right? You know, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. Let's respect each other and not tell anyone about Jesus because I don't want to hinder what, 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 what they think saves them. People are going to hell! <laughs> there is one truth. One Bible, one message, one Savior. And we either believe it or we don't. We need to love the Lord with all of our heart. I need to. I'm preaching this to you, and I, my prayer life is horrible. <laughs> it needs to be strong, it needs to be powerful, it needs to be in the Lord. We need to be thrusting the sword into Satan every chance that we get by the power of Jesus, not by, own, by our own power. Pray for me that I would preach the message of Christ boldly. I want to close with uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Powerful. Now what I want to do is go into kind of an application um, of prayer for our body, prayer for... um, Dairy around us, and I've asked um, DJ if he would um, meditate on the first couple chapters of Ephesians, and um, then come forward and pray for us, um, having that in mind. Um, just a couple minutes, he'll be praying, and then my brother-in-law um, has been thinking about the end of Ephesians, and I've asked that he would come forward then and pray. So. What I'd like to do is we'll have the ushers come forward, we'll pass out the elements, and then while we're, while we're doing that, Joe's going to come up and, and sing a song. And so we could sing along with, meditate, whatever, um, and then hold the elements through prayer. It's going to be a nice, hopefully smooth transition. And then um, 
right after that, then Joe's going to sing another song, which is Psalm 5 that, that we read this morning, which talks about meditation of our heart, asking God, give the earth to our word. And then, after that song, I'll come up and we'll take communion, and then we'll go in peace, is the thought. Does that make sense? So if the ushers would come forward now, and, and Joe, thank you.
Father, I do just confess uh, my prayerlessness. And for the church in America, we, we confess our prayerlessness. God, with so many comforts and convenience, we're prayerless. And I just ask that you would move us. And we thank you that we can bless your name. We thank you for the gospel that even in our prayerlessness, even in um, failures and sins, that we can come to you with great boldness, all because of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that good news. I thank you that we are, we are in Christ. I pray that that would define us as, as a church, as individuals, that we wouldn't see ourselves just in maybe what we, we do, our job, what we did, and that we're a construction worker or a retired person or a mom, a dad, but we are your son. We are in the son. And I just pray that you would help us to really see the identity that you have given us. God, these last several weeks as you've showed us in in Ephesians, that we are in Christ and we are defined by Him. The old Adam is gone and we are in the new Adam. We thank You for that. So re- reshape the way that we even think about ourselves, that we would identify as, as people that are in You and that we would bless Your name. We thank You for predestination. We thank You that that is not based on things that we did or resources in and of ourselves, but that you saved us because you called us and made us your own. Because you chose us. How that's good news, despite all of the sin that I have done, despite all of the sins that every person in this room have done, that those who have trusted in Christ, that you chose them from all eternity. May we see that as good news. Father, may may we... Bless your name. And may we see that we are we are blessed. God, I do ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom, that you would give us revelation to know you more. God, I pray that you would enlighten our, our hearts. Father, that we would really know the hope to which we were called. I know it's so easily to fall into discouragement and depression. God, and in this room, I know that there are probably many that are discouraged and maybe some that have battled depression for years. I pray that You would help them to see and to know experientially the hope to which they have been called. God, that hope would burst from our hearts. Not just in theory, God, but that we would experience it. That by the power of Your Spirit, You would give us hope. Father, I pray that You would help us to know our inheritance that we have a great inheritance, that Jesus is our big brother, and that all that He has is ours. All that He has is ours. May we know that. May we believe that. God, would You help us to see that. God, I pray that You would remind us um, of Your great power. God, that You've given us great power immeasurable greatness of Your power, which was worked in Christ, which was resurrection kind of power. We thank You for that. And I pray that You would help us to see that. 
that residing in us because of you is resurrection power. We recognize that we were spiritually dead. We recognize that we were children of wrath. That we do not deserve anything that we get. God, but that you have given it. God, that you have graced us. We thank you so much for that. That we have been saved by grace. Not according to anything that we have done. We serve the prince of the power of the air. We were under spiritual darkness and utterly incapable and You saved us. God, would You show us and remind us what we were, not so we'll be stuck in that, but so that we will see what we are now. That right now, we do not identify with that nature anymore, but that we have been given a new nature. God, that we are identified with with You. And so again, do that. Seal that in our minds and in our hearts. Change our, our world view, our view of ourselves, our view of the world to see um, the great things that you have accomplished and the new identity that you have given us. We thank you that we have been fully grafted in um, to your people. God, that we are the people of God. Father, that you have brought us into all the promises that you gave to Israel, that you, we have been brought into that. and We thank you for that. To be your people. To be known by you. How how good news that is. Again, show us that. Help us to believe that. And God, that we are being built as Your dwelling place, Your temple, that You actually reside in us, in, in us, crazy us, with all our issues, that You've chosen to dwell in us. And I pray that we would believe that. God, that we are Your temple and that we would act accordingly. Act as those who are indwelt by the living God. And we thank You for Jesus. All of this comes from the person and work of Jesus Christ. God, You reveal Yourself in Your Son. And I just pray that we would truly rest in all that You have done. And that we would pray out of all that You have done. And that we would have great boldness. May we be bold prayers. Not stuck again on all of our stuff. But bold because of what Jesus Christ has done. Would You do that? Would You... Would You do that in us? Help us to pray more effectively. Do not be afraid to pray Your Word. Just open the Bible and say, I don't know what to pray, so show me. Help me to pray what You want me to pray and not just the felt needs that I have. So God, we thank You so much for Jesus Christ. We thank You that You have made us a people. In Jesus' name. says in Isaiah 43:25 that you blot out our transgressions for your own sake which means that every sinner that is redeemed that accepts Christ who is forgiven is forgiven for your glory and Lord I fear in America the trivial matters of our lives when our comforts are taken we become so discouraged and we lose sight of our purpose and our mission here on this earth and that is to align ourselves with your purpose and your mission to seek and save the lost Lord 
to understand that Lord Jesus was dead serious when it came to redeeming men. Lord, you have not called us to live in passivity in this life, but to don the full armor of God and to stand and fight, to rest in your strength. And Lord, we know to live lives that honor and glorify you comes from a foundation of knowing and loving you. Lord, our source is your word. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who quickens our hearts to understand your word, to align ourselves with your affections and your purpose. Lord, help us to see the brevity of our actions when we forsake your word, when we forsake our relationship with you, and become ineffective and counterproductive to your purpose. Lord, help us to see and to remember that there will be no smoldering remains in hell, only shrieking and lamenting corporeal bodies that are shrouded in unquenchable torment, unable to die, no escape, no second chance. Help us to look on people, Lord, with that in mind. And forgive us for when we fall short, Lord, and we don't take the opportunity that is put before us to evangelize, to share the gospel. Lord Jesus, your last words to us and to your apostles in Matthew 28 was to commission us to go out and to preach the gospel, to teach people to obey your commands. And Lord, in that comes danger. And Lord, not against flesh and blood, but against evil, against the devil. And we thank you for your comforting words when you said, Behold, I am with you always. And Lord, not only are you with us, but you've given us tools and means to defend ourselves, to don the armor of God, and to stand firm, to stand in your strength. Lord, we ask by your Holy Spirit that when we come to your word and we come to you in prayer, that your spirit will reveal sin in our lives, sins that need to be repented of, that are quenching the Holy Spirit, that are making us blind in the moment. Give us hearts to respond to that conviction. Give us hearts of obedience. Lord, help us to be mindful sin is detrimental and deadly let us not take it lightly but to be as serious as the Lord Jesus was on this earth 
align our affections with your affections. Help us to love like you love. Help us to glorify you in our hearts. And out of that glorifying you in of our hearts, we will live lives outwardly that glorify you. And we will bear fruit that is evidence of true saving faith, which we pray, Lord, would be appealing to the lost. We thank you that you will not leave us, that you will not forsake us, that you have equipped us. Help us not to neglect that. In Jesus' name. to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto Thee will I pray, my voice shalt Thou hear. Jesus was hanging on the cross. He called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was a quote from Psalm 31.5. His last words on the cross. Scripture. Prayer. Crying out.
which only makes sense because only God's words give life. And so in remembrance of Jesus, we take the bread and we obey Jesus who said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You're the peace that passes understanding. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God the Father. Thank you for all that you've done. I ask, Lord, that you would use us throughout the rest of this day and throughout this week. Help us to love one another and to love you with all of our hearts. In your name. Amen.